Hello, I'm Liz Jones. If you read my diary in the Mail on Sunday's You magazine, then you'll know me and my life pretty well. But if you've always wanted to know more, this is the place for you. Welcome to Liz Jones's Diary, the podcast. I'll be taking you behind the scenes of this week's column before digging back into the archives to find some of the most shocking and hilarious stories from the last 20 years. I'll be doing all this with the help of my assistant, friend and confidant, Nick. Hello. Come a chameleon, is it? Yes. You just done come a come a come a come a chameleon. Huh? You just done come a come a come a come a chameleon. I'm just I, it honestly, to you. I must be so. If I missed her again, I was just singing it to you. It is. Right, ready? Come and come and come and come and come and chameleon. You just you just completely missed it. Come it. and go. It did come and go. It, it come went. and go. It's <laughs> oh my god. Was you him or was you Marilyn? There was a two, wasn't it? Him and Marilyn. I actually went to Boy George's birthday party. Did you? Yeah. See, I'm very connected. Aren't very connected. I? I actually went to Boy George's birthday party it was held at the Camden Palace remember Camden Palace I do, I do. I and I got Camden chatted Palace. up by a member of Duran Duran but I can't remember which one. Oh, not wasn't Simon. Simon I have met Simon since it wasn't John Taylor it was one of the little ones I'm not sure which one it was did you did you reject him then I've snubbed him that was a mistake wasn't it I snubbed him that was a big mistake they went on to be very big so I've been watching I'm Slips to get me out of here. Well, that's a bit controversial, isn't it? <laughs> Is it? Well, yes. We've got we've got Mushroom Gate, haven't we? With Boy George, we've got Matt Hancock. Oh, the, I thought you meant me watching it was controversial. Oh no, I mean I meant celebrity was controversial. But Boy George is there representing Buddhism, and. He's been just having mushrooms and everything, which is great. And hopefully he won't be abusing any bugs or squashing them because he's not small, is he? No, I always worry if you're in one of them tanks and you're having a little panic attack, which I would if I was getting tarantulas on me, I would be having a lot of panic attack. You could, like, kick them in the head and stuff. That's just not acceptable. Yeah, but are they all rehomed afterwards? I don't, it does worry me. Where did they come from and where do they go? And what happens to the spiders afterwards? Oh, <laughs> Oh, literally, that's making me shake. I couldn't do it. But anyway, Boy George was talking about Matt Hancock joining. The funny thing is about Matt, I always think the funny thing is, how can people who look like a hamster ever, A, get married and B, have an affair? I don't understand how unattractive no, people he's have affairs. No, he's twice, hasn't he? He's, he's but how do these people manage to attract partners? I don't know. I mean, I think he's quite charismatic, isn't he, in a sort of like slony way. Matt Hancock? He's quite funny. I think he's quite charming. I mean, you know, my mum was saying, you know, he's sort of being quite friendly and jokey and he's not complaining about the trials. Well, Deborah, my lovely, lovely friend who works on The Times, 
she was writing about him this morning. She said, well, he said that he, the reason he's gone into the jungle for £400,000, not looking after his constituents, not standing up in Westminster campaigning for, for £400,000, is to show that who he is as a person, as a human being. And she said, we all know who you were as a human being. A, when you're shagging a colleague and you've got a wife and children at home. B, yeah. we all knew the sort of person you were. When you woke your child up in the middle of the night to tell, her you, tell him you're leaving. Yeah. People only do these programmes when they need the money. I did. And I just loved the ego of it. You know, I want people to see that MPs, we are human. Well, <laughs> you're, you shouldn't be human. You should just be a robot doing your duty as a public servant. No, they're human. That's why they give in to carnal lust in the corridor. Human. But Boy George actually said, I wasn't able to see my mum, and her mum must be ancient because Boy George ain't young, is he? That's the same age as me, isn't he, Boy no, George? No, Boy George is more my age. Is he? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. He wasn't able to see his mum. He's very, very ancient, and he was snogging a colleague. So it, there is a moral responsibility. If he was standing up at a lecture and saying, you cannot have sex with someone who's not in your bubble and everything, then he should abide by that. You don't just tell people what to do and do the opposite. No. It's disgusting. And no. why is Sean with two consonants in there as well? Sean with two consonants. <laughs> that was my impression of Antoine Dreck. I can't tell them apart. Oh, dear. He cheated on his girlfriend. He ghosted her. He jellyfished her. He... What was that film um, where the husband thinks she makes her think she's mad? Gaslight. He gaslighted his girlfriend, so she's written a book about it. Had had an affair with someone else, and he's being oh, rewarded. Sean with two ends. Sean with two ends. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Chuck. Yeah. Why are they rewarding men who have no? morals because if you cheat on your on the mother of your children you have no morals you shouldn't be paid money to do it i'm not sure historically looking at the people that have gone in these jungle things and celebrity things i'm not sure morals are something that feature very highly on the on the list but if you're a public servant paid for by taxpayers and you get all your expenses paid and you've got a second you should have morals or don't be a public surfer. Don't you just think it shows how stupid they are, though? You know, just keep it in your pants. Don't get caught. Keep it in your pants. Behave yourself. Just behave yourself. But don't be rewarded. Don't be rewarded. It's different if you're a stupid celebrity and you've done stupid things. But these are public servants making laws. You know, when I was in the queue for the Queen... Have I talked about that before? You have, but crack on. I didn't just write 10,000 words in the Times about the queue and didn't queue. I was in the queue. Was in the I queue. was in the queue. Unlike others. We Unlike others. And I didn't push in. I was in the queue. And I met this lovely Italian woman who became my friend and we swapped numbers and everything. And she lives in a little town quite near Venice and her husband went jogging around their building and he got fined 500 euros. Yeah. Well, I mean, people were taking their dogs, weren't they, to walk in the national park where they was going to meet nobody. Nobody. And they were fined. It, I mean, 
Yeah, it's not done in self the But at the end of the day, it's that they want people that are going to be controversial, don't they? Because that's why people are watched. They'll vote to put him through the trials to make him suffer. And it but don't give it. Okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to earn four hundred thousand pounds, and I am going to donate that to the Dyslexia Society. He ain't going to do that. He's going to buy no. himself a house. No, he ain't going to do that. I have to say, he's quite brave going in in a camp where you're trapped with all these people that might hate you. I think kudos for being brave or stupid. That is every day for me, Nicola. Well, someone was saying... That's every day for me, Nicola, what, in the world. What, you're where everyone hates you? Yeah. Everyone loves you. Everyone hates me. Everyone loves no, you. No, they don't. Or even if they hate you, they love to hate you, so there's still love involved. Give you bloody marmite. <laughs> anyway, today, I'm standing in my knowing. What the actual... What on earth... The things Megan comes out with, and you can just imagine her having a chat with Harry over tea, and he probably has got no... It's like she's speaking a foreign language. He's probably got no idea what she's saying. But I cannot wait... Quite profound. ...for the crown when it's got Megan. Yeah. I could, they could borrow my hair. Yeah. I wonder who will play her, because she's actually an actress. She I could, could just play, play her. herself. I could be Megan. She could play herself, though, because she's an actress. Your beagle could be her, could be Guy. Yes, yes. We can get some money out of it. Isabel's Boris. Labrador could be the Labrador. Labby, yeah. You could be Harry. Oh, just, I mean, <laughs> just like Harry. There'd be me and you, Megan and Harry. <laughs> Considering last week he said I look like, what's his Matt name? Lucas. Matt Lucas before he lost weight. I'm not quite sure how we'd marry up the, the, the character with Harry. <laughs> I think we should do a Christmas special podcast with visuals as you and me as Harry and Meghan and I'd be standing in my knowing you can stand in your knowing that's quite profound though isn't it you're standing in your knowing I'm standing in my knowing that's I'm doing that every day what I really love is when people make these statements and they're talking utter tribe no one knows what they mean but it sounds good but she was talking about the word bitch but she wouldn't actually say it so you see Spotify we say it. She doesn't. What's wrong with saying bitch? Well, she wouldn't say it. The B word, she said. That's just ridiculous. Paul. A whole podcast about women being bitches and everything. She said they're not bitches, they're just difficult. But I don't think there's anything wrong with the word bitch, really, because I no. think it means you're slightly edgy, you are a bit difficult. I think women should be more difficult. But even if it's an insult... You can still use the word bitch. I just, I, oh, people have got so precious, haven't they? It's just ridiculous. Ridiculous. Megan, it's ridiculous. But you've got a moan this week, haven't you? I've got lots. I was, because I was thinking about your column and you do your, your Jones moans things, didn't you? Your little box. And I've, I've just been quite whingy this week because people have really, really, really got on my nerves. I've got to say. So I'm going to do like a little list of my moans this Go week. On, then. My, I'm going to have my little box. So my first one is smut Nicholas people. Nichols. Nicholas, do you know, I was trying to think of something and I was coming up with Bebs Bollocks and things like that and that just didn't work. No, Nicholas Nichols. Nicholas Nichols, that's very good. See, that's why you're, that's why you're the award-winning journalist. Yes, many See, awards. that's why, Nicholas Nichols. We did a shoot the other day, didn't we? What was the shoot for? Biological Age. And Nicola put all my awards around the desk so they'd be in the picture. I did, I did. Because <laughs> this is very proud. And on her desk, so I put them all together so they featured. 
So do you want to hear my mum? Yes. Nicholas Nichols. So my Nicholas Nichols number one is smug people. I hate Who smug, was smug people. Well, a friend of You've mine, got to name names in this podcast. No, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> I've seen where it's got you. I'm not doing it. Smug people. So when you complain, say like your other half hasn't made you like more than two cups of tea in a year and you've come in like with your so soaking wet from torrential rain that your knickers are wet and he wouldn't even get and make you a cup of tea and your friend launches into how their partner gets up in the morning and makes them a cup of tea and brings them breakfast and runs the... the bath for them and puts their robe in the in the tumble dry to make it nice and warm for them on the radiator and then they get home and they've walked the dog and they've got dinner on the table and they've done the hoovering smug bastards don't do it don't tell me how wonderful your I boyfriend is i think it's probably is. all lies no it's actually not and clean the toilet and the, so bugger off next one people who tweet in dog speak that drives me insane the perfect family and i cannot stand dogs don't speak and if Midi they does. did speak Midi does. but if their dogs Midi did does. speak they would speak nicely they wouldn't speak in dog speak Minnie goes oh she's like a spotty dog no i can't stand it i can't stand that love you type baby language dog speak twitter thing i hate it first sign of that unfollow unfollow Again, Twitter, the nobody's liked my photo. Everybody thinks I'm ugly. Nobody loves my photo. Nobody's liked my dog. Get over it. Like it, don't like it. Get over it. Don't beg for likes. It's pathetic. Don't like it. That gets on my nerves. The next one. Is it not in the real... Can we have one in the real world, not in the virtual world? We have got one in the real world. We have thin people who say, I've put on so much weight. Look how fat I am. Seriously, don't say I did say to you the other day, I think I put weight on around my middle. No, it's when what it's did when, you say to that? It's when fat, thin people start pinching their non existent fat on their concave stomachs while your stomach, number two stomach, is hanging over your trousers like a third boob. Don't do it, don't do it. It's tactless, don't do it. Sod off. And then they add in, but I can eat anything. The one the thin people that says, I can eat anything. I never put on weight. I can eat anything. Really hate them. Really hate them. I mean, I'm pleased for you. I'm jealous. I'd like to be that. Don't say it to me. Very bad thing to say. People that don't say thank you for stopping at a crossing. Run them over. Literally. I start, I've actually started passive-aggressive revving. I hate it if you're in economy on a plane, which I don't like to be, obviously, and the person in front reclines all the way back. <gasps> no. So what don't I do, do is I thump the chair in front of me. I thump it really hard. No, don't do it. Just don't do it. Just be considerate. Don't do it. And my last one is all these books that are, and courses and lectures and TED Talks that promise to find you your inner genius. You're, you're going to be an entrepreneur. You're going to be a millionaire this time next year. You know, Del Boy's in full force. You are a genius. You have got some talent that you are a genius at. No, we haven't all got a talent that makes us a genius. We're not all going to be millionaires. And that's okay. That's okay. It just breeds a lack of contentment. But that's a very American thing because we've been infected by all sorts of American things, haven't we? You know, Megan. Yeah, don't put pumpkins. pressure. 
Don't make people feel... They say you can be whatever you want to be. No, you can't. Some people are just stupid. No, I have no great talent. I'm never going to wake up in the morning and suddenly discover that I'm the next Da Vinci or Madonna or Maria Lanza. I'm not. I have no talent. I haven't. You know what I mean? I haven't. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm not going to be beautiful. I'm not going to be talented and I'm not going to be rich. That's okay. Don't try and make promises to me that if I read your book, I'm going to be a genius because it's not going to happen. But you love self-help books. I do love self-help books, but I don't like... I like self-help books that help you grow yourself because we can all grow. doesn't matter who you are. We can all grow. We can all deal with our issues. We can all seek something more, but that isn't necessarily going to turn me into the next Mariah Carey. Do you know what I mean? I am the next Mariah Carey. No. See, this, ah! is, this is what these books do. No, you're, not. you're not. You're not. In fact, though, we are, aren't we, at Christmas? We're going to have a sing-along Elise. It's going to be karaoke, isn't it? it we're going to have a karaoke Christmas podcast because we think we all need cheering up. So we're going to find those sorts of songs that you can't stop at. And also, if you're going to play the podcast, it will repel people if you don't like people <laughs> at Christmas. You could just repel them by playing the podcast. Yeah, you could. And then you? they won't come. You could put it on, like, your, your, your door chimes, yeah. you know. Ah, <laughs> no, we don't Christmas. want Caroline Singers. We've got the this thing instead. I know. That's Mariah. Should I do the triangle thing, like, to start? But the crown... Well, yes, I've watched about three or four episodes. I've done every one. I've done. Well, all. she says she. I don't have time to do readers' letters. No. I can't look at the screen. No, She's I just watched every night. episode of the of the Crown. Well, I had, I had a really bad headache and I couldn't sleep, so I, I had it. I had it on the iPad next to the bed. The good thing about it is I love all the buildings and the horses because you know I do like a nice building. Beautiful horses. I thought Elizabeth. Debicki, or whatever her name is, tall, skinny girl, very good as Diana. Absolutely got her voice. She was. I thought she was a little bit over on the gestures, the looking down and the eyes. It was all a bit exaggerated. I thought. But Di did do that. She did, but she sort of just seemed a bit more simpering than Di. But I thought she was very good. But I, I thought, thought she was. Like, I thought she was absolutely excellent. But I'm finding. I think I've got the key as to why it's not really working. Because in the first couple of series, you had the young queen, you had treetops in Kenya, and you had the young princess. And you sort of glimpsed the world. You had the war, and you had Churchill. You sort of glimpsed the world that you didn't live through, and it was enlightening, and it was beautiful. But now, because we know the story so intimately, I'd rather... It's more riveting watching the documentaries because we yeah. know them so well. Why are we pretending? We'll just look at the real people. Like the Queen's funeral was far more riveting than this. No, I, I actually thought exactly the same. I, I felt... Do you think it's because we know it too well? I think not only for me as well. It's not only that we know it too well. I mean, I don't think anyone... I mean, why watch Elizabeth Debicki playing Dianet, talking to someone playing Martin Bashir? You can just watch the... BBC documentary. Yeah, yeah. I just have got this feeling of, of discomfort. Although I found it entertaining and I was like, I couldn't divorce myself from, this is taking the scab off of really old wounds, wounds from 30-odd years ago, you know, and, and 
traumas that people have been through. Them, them boys, you know, that they're out. Their parents' infidelity, you know, his his father talking about tampons with Camilla, and it kind of just made me feel really uncomfortable because I mean they might not watch it, but you are going to be affected by that sort of exposure of your family and all being dragged up and turned into a bloody drama to entertain people. In which I yearn for my old London life again, constantly, constantly. Always. Whenever anyone proclaims they're leaving London to live in the country, children need more space, apparently. What are they, Labradors? I always shake my head in despair, because no matter how often I tell them how awful it is, how I regret leaving my leafy London square for Somerset and now the Yorkshire Dales, they don't believe me. The reason? They read too many pieces, like the one in a weekly glossy entitled... The Devil Wears Barber. <clears throat> Ex-model Rosemary Ferguson wears a Victoria Beckham slip dress under a good jumper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're lucky there's no video feed, no. aren't we, at the it's moment? It's just what it's like. It's just what it's like. Alice Templey is a keen paddleboarder and she drums a dry robe. The piece recommends a Connolly roll neck for £850 and Chanel socks for £700. They've not met Gracie, have they? No, I'm afraid it's Yorkshire trading special, isn't it? Three pairs for £3. I doubt either of them owns a chewy collie. Gracie has a thing about buttons, and she didn't just eat the ones on my Dries van Noten jacket. She will have a nibble on the buttons of neighbouring diners in the local pub. The word gastro hasn't made it this far north. I got into trouble... Meaning, I can't go back, but honestly, why would I? You were with me, Nick, for this, this bit. This is another place. <laughs> no, honestly, I'm, I'm banned from my dry cleaner as well now. Banned from most Yorkshire. Writing that my local only served wine from a tap. And if you ask for a wine list, the landlady shouts, if it's not on the board. Do you remember? She I said, do if it's not on that. the board. My barber. It was hilarious which I bought pre-loved as part of the circular economy from my wardrobe HQ for £50, now smells of sausage. Teddy likes to lie flat as though he is dead and he refuses to move unless he gets a sausage. I have three expensive sweaters from Navy Grey, bought because in Swaledale my flow gas cost £800 a month. It was horrendous, wasn't it? And it was a tiny tank. But they are now bobbly with holes from moths, paws, and a pony who likes to grab them between his teeth. You should never wear wool in the countryside, let alone a Victoria Beckham slip. If it rains and I've been mucking out, it's like I've been tarred and feathered. My new hunter well is of split, and I now resemble Charlie Chaplin. My hands are chapped and I get chillblains, an affliction I thought had died with Queen Victoria. I have black box colour hair, which means I buy a box of hair dye using a heavy disguise from Boots when it's open. <laughs> yes, I want a paper bag, I hiss at the person on the till. In her warm and fluffy demeanour. The nearest hairdresser is over an hour and a quarter away in Harrogate. She doesn't work Sundays or Mondays. What is wrong with people? We're in the wrong profession. 
I don't wear this. I don't wear Sundays and Mondays. No. There's no threader for 250 miles, so I'm forced to use my tweezers. No one tells you that when you walk your dog over acres of moorland, you return to a note on your car that shouts, keep your dog on a lead, nesting birds. Yeah, only they only want them alive so they can shoot them. Or that tractors, lights blazing, will zoom past your house at two in the morning. Or that men spend Sunday morning digging out rabbits on the riverbank opposite your house. Then they hit them over the head with a shovel. What charmers. I'm most famous in the Yorkshire Dales for shouting, aren't I, Nicola? Yeah. Not my dad fought the Nazis, but why don't you shoot someone in the Taliban? Yeah. A little bit more equal playing field, yeah? Yeah, exactly, absolutely. Pick on, pick on someone that can fight back, you tosser. In the countryside, you have to order sourdough. <laughs> How do you know you, you're going to want sourdough in three days' time? <laughs> and then if you don't pick it up because you're too busy and it's three days later, they still make you buy it. That's because you ordered it, though. I laugh when I see photos of fashion shoots with a horse, the rider in a ball gown. How are they even clean? I rent two paddocks for my horses. Unfortunately, the fields contain four oak trees, which means I spend four hours a day picking up acorns, getting a muddy bottom, because they're poisonous to horses, you see, they can't eat them. I never see photographs of Lady Amanda Harlick I used to queue behind her in cranks in Soho when she was playing Amanda Grieve working on Harpers and Queen. She married up, I married down. I should have married up, yeah. I married down. She married up, she's got a title, isn't it? There's a lesson in this, isn't there? I viewed a house in Asquig the other day, the village where they filmed the original TV series of All Creatures Great and Small. I sat in the pub because I was early, I'm always early. Always. She's always early and I'm always late. It's very rude to be late. It's very disrespectful. I was sitting beneath a picture, a photograph, of Christopher Timothy and Robert Hardy sipping pints on my very table. I remember watching it as a child and I thought, oh, isn't it idyllic? Isn't it romantic? I was duped. I yearn for the places where I grew up. Suburban Essex, London. One moment of hilarity when an ancient Yorkshireman came to erect a sky dish, which soon blew away in a storm. Married, he asked me. No. Looking? Possibly. Well, if you've now got wool, you'll do all right. Yeah. That's it, isn't it? You've, you've, you've hit home. You just have to not be a sheep. You, just, get have a boyfriend. To, you just have to not be I a mean, sheep. I mean, look at Nicola. She's managed it. Just because well, she's not a sheep. Just because I'm not a sheep. <laughs> the bar is low. I have to say, I love the illustration. This it's week. very clever, isn't it? It's very clever this week. But there's one problem. They've actually pictured me, not you. That looks, that looks nothing like you. She's very chunky. They're always making me chunky, aren't but they? But that's me. That's not See, because I've got in my contract with the Mail on Sunday, my photographs are air- airbrushed and my illustrations are airbrushed. Yeah, but they've turned you into me. I'm usually your mini me. But look, she's all chunky. It's me this week. <laughs> You can read this week's diary in full in Mail on Sunday's You magazine. So, shall we show you how topical we are on this podcast, Standing in Our Knowing? We, <laughs> we are so topical. So, on the 12th of April 2012, I interviewed Boy George. That 
wasn't 2012, Nick. You've got that wrong. It's absolutely you've got that wrong. It's not right. No, well, it's not me that's not right. It's it's the paper. Hang on, hang on. I'm just going to prove it to you because you're saying... But I'm I know when I met Boy George, it wasn't in 2012. It was in the early 2000s. I'm just showing this now. That's wrong. You see, you can't believe what you read on the internet. It's wrong. It you was 2002, more like. You can't believe what you read in the evening more, No, standard. it was 2002. Just pointing out it weren't me. It weren't me. That's what I've got off of, the, off of line. But you knew I didn't work for the Evening Standard in 2012. I don't know when you worked for who doing what. She doesn't even know I worked for Sunday paper. I don't remember what I had for dinner yesterday. So, a, a different date to what we've said. It's more likely 2002, actually. And I went to interview Boy George. That was his heyday. And I've been so looking forward to meeting Boy George. Not only can reminisce about his 1983 birthday party, you see, where I was chatted up by yes. someone. Oh, it was Spandau Ballet. It wasn't Duran Duran. So, so basically, you're inventing Duran Duran. Was it because it was a better band? Duran Who Duran was, was it? I think it was the ugly one in Spandau Ballet. What ugly one? The little one at the back. <laughs> and I remember he chatted me up at the party and he had these new romantic sleeves and he knocked my drink over. So you remember all this but not his name? Yeah, but it, it was some new romantic minor character in a band. <laughs> <laughs> Poor man. It should be a week of triumph for Boy George back in London presenting an award at the Brits and being given a coveted slot at London Fashion Week to promote his range of clothing, Be Rude. That's why I went to interview him, because he had a range of clothing and I was doing fashion. It's quite a good name, though, isn't it? Be rude. Well, he was rude in the interview. Yeah. Have you read it? I have read it. I have. Instead, he's once again facing persistent questions about his drug use. You see, on Twitter, people have been comparing Matt Hancock to Harold Shipman. You know Harold Shipman killed all those patients? And they're saying that Matt Hancock killed patients who were discharged from hospital and put into care homes. I do think comparing him to Harold Shipman is just a little bit over the top. And somebody, I think, from the Mail on Sunday pointed out that at that point, Matt Hancock, if you were asymptomatic, which Joel people were, and he was put in the midst of care homes, there wasn't a test to find out if they had COVID. The test didn't exist then. No. And he was worried about people going into hospital not having a bed. So I don't think he is quite Harold Shipman, no. but he shouldn't have shagged. I think that's pretty unfair, to be honest. You shouldn't shag when you're at work. You should be working. Well, you shouldn't shag when you've got a wife. Let's just let's cut no. it back down. Forget work. You've got a wife. Anyway, so someone said, well, boy, George's a criminal anyway. He took drugs and blah. Yeah, but he went to prison. He did his time and he wasn't a public servant. In just over two weeks' time, he's due in court again in New York over charges of possessing cocaine after police allegedly found 13 bags of the drug in his Manhattan apartment. And if he thought he could leave this controversy behind, it quickly became apparent that he could not. First, there was Chris Evans making pointed drug jokes at his expense at the Brits. Then, his former agent begged George to get help. He's in a dark place at the moment, she said, not wanting to admit the state he's in. Well, we're all there, aren't we? Yeah. His agent, who worked with George for 20 years, is quoted as saying, we're deeply worried about him. George sacked him in November. 
and he's now a recluse who spends most of his time surfing the internet, snorting coke, so she says. They allege his current addiction started in 2002 after being prescribed sleeping pills. You wasn't out to make friends with this, this interview, was you? No, I did Well, I went to his birthday party. I met a, a pop star. But this was before the interview was printed, wasn't it? George agrees to meet me during London Fashion Week for a rare interview, his first since the Manhattan Drugs Expose. We're due to meet late afternoon in St. in Chicada on St. John Street in Clerkenwell. He finally turns up more than an hour late in a dark grey overcoat with a shaven head. I wonder aloud if he is late because he's been making last-minute adjustments to his new fashion collection. No, he says, I've just woken up. <laughs> I sort of love that. <laughs> At least it's honest. His face is bare of makeup, bar two carefully drawn eyebrows. We were like twins, weren't we, really? As one. I tell him he looks really well, all things considered. He was recently spotted sobbing on a New York park bench, a bald, bloated has-been, on his release from a police cell. Ouch. Late one night last October, he called the NYPD, saying his apartment was being burgled, but when they got there, they found no evidence to break in, merely the cocaine. He pleaded not guilty a couple of weeks ago. I really can't talk about all that, you said. Come, 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 No, don't go. sing. No, we're not singing along Liz yet. But I can tell you the case against me is collapsing. He does, though, want to talk about his new range of clothing. The fact that he was invited by the British Fashion Council to close London Fashion Week on Saturday with the launch of his range of men's and women's clothing, and it caused quite a stir. We had to audition, he mutters. It confirmed to many how half-heartedly the industry is about distancing itself from drugs, particularly given how briefly Kate Moss was ostracised. But George is not bothered. He's enjoying being back in London. How hard, how hands-on are you in the design process, I ask him. Completely. People might not think the clothes are handmade, but they are. I've tried to inject the designs with humour, but some of it is quite wearable. Well, that's good, isn't it? Some of it. I was going to say, that, that's, that's a bonus, isn't it? It could be wearable. I'm inspired by punk, by ideas of rebellion. I hate the way camp vanity has been hijacked by straight men and that gay men are desperate to wear hackett. But why become a designer and why now? I used to work in a boutique, he says, of the days in the late 70s. I had my own clothes shop on Carnaby Street even before I was in Culture Club called The Foundry, where we'd all sell the clothes that we wore. So life has come full circle. His favourite designers are Vivian Westwood and John Galliano. Galliano is, he says, an absolute genius. He's not frightened of being ridiculed. From Ziggy Sardust to me, we were all ridiculed. The first thing ever written about me in the press was when I was called Wally of the Week. I don't think that was me wrote that. Could have been. What, Wally of the Week isn't your style. No. People used to cross the street when they saw me. And when I became famous, they wanted to be my friend. First it was freak and then it was, oh, hi. I asked whether he's less angry these days. He's the son of an Irish builder who died of a heart attack in 2004 and Dinah, who, when this was published, was in her 60s, living in a terraced house in South London. Do you remember, you remember they sent me to interview her as well? I've interviewed his mother. I've interviewed, I've run out of people to interview. I've interviewed his mother. At least we've got many archives. Many, many. His mum is close to George and when approached after his arrest said, I'm a sick woman and I've got nothing to say. 
The royal family should be more like that, shouldn't they? Yeah, we could all learn from Dinah. George did upset her when he turned down his MBE. She called him spiteful. He said, too bad you didn't give birth to Cliff Richard. And that's why we love boy George. Too bad you didn't give birth to Cliff Richard. That's why we love him. George endured a macho, volatile upbringing of one of six children... In 1995, his brother, Gerald, a schizophrenic, was committed to a psychiatric hospital for the manslaughter of his wife. To his father's credit, he accepted George's homosexuality and flamboyant lifestyle. His parents would visit his squat to fill the cupboards with food, and his dad even wrote a cheque so that George could buy red tartan bondage trousers from Westwood Shop, Seditionaries. That's on the King's Road. That's really sweet, though, isn't it? Especially at that sort of, like, time, you know, for them to be... The sensible. olden days, when I was in my prime, yeah, the olden the days. the olden days. It's really nice. They were supportive. I like that. Talk to him today about the 80s, and he doesn't want to hear. Why are you obsessed with the past, he says. <laughs> <laughs> this is my heyday. I'm not interested in nostalgia. I think the 80s were actually quite conformist. Even I conformed because I was denying I was gay. It's not that boy George is ashamed of the period when he fronted Culture Club and had 21 UK top 50 singles. It's just that there are as many good things, clubs, bands happening now in London as there were back then. I'm no longer young, but I'm not struggling against it. Although I'm older and more comfortable with my sexuality and who I am, I'm less apologetic. Apologetic? He's always had one of the sharpest tongues in pop music. Madonna is, according to George, a living, breathing cash register. He almost gags when I mention the name Marilyn, a one-hit wonder. She was very pretty, though. George calls Marilyn a pretty pig-faced creature. <laughs> Don't hold back, George. The Tell only person he has a good word to say about is Helen Terry, his former backing singer. Do you remember Helen Terry? Yeah. Big girl, great yeah, voice. Yeah, great voice. He dislikes George Michael and wishes Will Young would go back in the closet. He is I a love Will Young. He is a common or garden homosexual. He's not queer. George has very distinct ideas about whether people are the proper kind of gay. George Michael is the wrong kind, according to George, for being caught in California loo and thus enforcing the reputation that guys, gays are rampant. George remains furious that Elsa and John performed with homophobic Eminem in 2002 at the MTV Awards. I tell George that the British public even if they did get Seth sick to death of Karma Chameleon. Karma, 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 Karma Chameleon, come and go. It's like torture. It's literally like torture. Let it go, let it go. Have always taken him to their hearts that we all bought his records knowing he was gay. He disagrees. We live in a culture that pretends to accept and understand, but which doesn't want to deal with the finer details of gay culture. Just because you have a few queers in Emmerdale, there's this myth that the world is more tolerant. It doesn't understand us at all. I've asked a lot of straight men about Brokeback Mountain and they said they couldn't relate to it. I tell him I related to it. I sobbed. But you're a woman. You have a female sensibility, just like I do. I cried at the trailer. I was like, oh my God, that's my life. It deals with intimacy, which is far more shocking than sex. So he was only able to get away with wearing his full regalia on the train from Woolwich because he was a big bloke, not because people accepted him. He is he's enormous. Is he? Very tall. I don't need anyone's permission to be who I am, and I don't want to be accepted. That would equal the end, really. I love being queer. He says he would never enter a, into a civil partnership, 
Gay unions, what's that about? I haven't been invited to any ceremonies and I wouldn't go anyway. The idea that gay people have to mimic what obviously doesn't work for straight people anymore, I think it's tragic. I'm looking forward to gay divorces. He's a bundle of joy, isn't he? Flipping egg. He says he's always been drawn to things that are quite homophobic, like reggae and ragga music. What's that Morrissey song, he says? The more you ignore me, the closer I get. That sums me up. I'm antagonistic. If I hear a ragga song about burning and shooting gay people, I will stand up and say something. So is he in love? He laughs. I'm dating a football team, he says, trying to shock. But I tell him he said that before. Does he pick men who are bound to disappoint? I always fall for straight boys, he says. The more macho, the better. He tells me he hates hypocrisy, would never do celebrity fit club or celebrity big brother. But it's just that I'm a celebrity. Get me out of here. <laughs> when I read that, when I found that, I must ah! admit, I really would love to just show him that right now. Ooh. Can you Brilliant. believe that? Yeah, that's that's fantastic. He's just like, he said, I'd never do Celebrity Big Brother. No, he's just done it. There's a lot you do for 500,000. There you are, you see. This is why I'm award-winning. I winkle it out of them like a winkle out of his shell. You knew right back then that that would trip him up on his arse at some point. You see, the internet never dies. It doesn't. Every week, lots of you get in touch, telling me what you think about my life and my decisions. So I think it's only fair that you get to have your say here on the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, then go to lizjonesgoddess.com or tweet me at lizjonesgoddess. Letters? Oh! Letters. I was still on board. Letters. Letters. Right, letters. Not another woman saying we don't know what antidote means. No, no. Poor poor Shirley. Shirley. Poor Shirley. Shirley. I felt very Shirley. She sent a picture of herself. She's actually very lovely. She admitted she's wrong. She she just was very confused. Maybe it is something we should let go now because... No. It's gone over two years now. We've probably got newbies that aren't, haven't started from the beginning yet. So that well, they need gonna, to catch up, don't they? Get our numbers we're stupid. up. Everybody's going to think we're stupid. So people email us and tell us we don't know what antidote means. Who's emailing in Megan saying, Megan, what do you mean? Standing in your knowing. What does that mean? But it sounds good, though, doesn't I'm it? I'm going to stand in my knowing. standing in my knowing. I mean... I'm, stand, not... I'm sitting in my knowing, but then I'm going to be standing in my knowing. It just sounds good, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm going to be doing that. It's like sometimes when you read poetry and it's completely, you have no idea what they're talking about. But it's the words thrown together, even though they make no sense, sound good. I'm standing in my knowing. You stand in your knowing, you do it. And Claire <laughs> is helping with your standing in your knowing by informing you, dear Liz, just to let you know that your local boot store is probably closed from 12.30pm until 1.30pm to allow the pharmacist to take a lunch break. Pharmacists have to eat on Saturdays too. Claire? Yeah? Claire? Yeah? Claire? Yeah. Claire? <laughs> is there just one <laughs> member of staff in boots? <laughs> Couldn't they just... You have lunch at 12.30, I'll have lunch at 12.45... To have a rotor. Of the evening standard, we never left the desk un- unmanned. We used to wee in our seats because we didn't have time to go to the loo. 
And if someone wanted to go to Pret-a-Manger, Emina, someone else would stay behind and answer the phones. Or if Mummy, the editor, came out and wanted something... We never left it unmanned, so why is Boots doing that? In reality, you don't think they should have a lunch break anyway, though, do you? They sell food in Boots, eat that. (laughs) Well, that's it from us this week. If you enjoyed listening to Liz Jones' Diary, the podcast, why not visit melplus.co.uk forward slash subscribe to get access to all our podcasts, videos, opinion pieces and more. I'll be back next Sunday, but for now, I'm Liz Jones. And I'm Nick. Goodbye. Goodbye.